Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The Gist is brought to you by Points of Courage, a new business podcast from Hiscox about courage. Get Points of Courage wherever you find your podcasts and learn more about what Hiscox can do for your business by going to Hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. Hiscox, encourage courage. And by Cameron Hughes Wine, offering luxury wine at affordable prices. Buy any five bottles of wine and get one bottle of Pinot Noir free and receive free shipping. Just go to chwine.com and enter the promo code GIST at checkout. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Friday, June 3rd, 2016 from Slate. It's the GIST. I'm Mike Pesca. Are you like me? Are you uncomfortable patronizing an overly heteronormative car rental company? So would you like to prepay gas or return it full? And will you and your wife be reproducing within the next three years? Who needs that, right? So I was heartened when Zipcar, a car company I signed up for, I paid a yearly fee for, but have never used because they never actually beat the prices of the old school, undisruptive car rental companies, but I'm on their mailing list. Anyway, so Zipcar sent me an email stating that they are proud participants in Pride Week. Can't really take Pride Week by half measures. If you go into it, you got to go into it with pride. They sent me this email, why we support pride. Our support for LGBTQ rights dates back to the early days of Zipcar, was that four years ago? An organic movement by some of our first employees sparked a company-wide priority to help open doors for all sexual orientations and gender identities, and that's great. But the symbol on this email, we support pride, was the circle with an arrow out of its upper right corner, and then the circle next to, I think intertwined with, the circle with the little dagger, the straight lines dropped straight down from the middle with the little crosshatch through it. You know, the Mars circle and the Venus circle. In other words, the man symbol and the woman symbol intertwined. That was their support for pride. But that's the symbol for heterosexualism. They seem to have caught this because they sent another symbol in their follow-up email called Wheels That Want Change. And this symbol is a combination of the man-woman symbol, but out of the upper left-hand corner is this other arrow with a circle in it. And let me read to you from what this is a symbol of. This drawing by Holly Boswell in 1993 depicts a circle with an arrow projecting from the top right as per the male symbol and a cross projecting from the bottom as per the female symbol with an additional struck arrow combining the female cross and the male arrow piercing from the top left. And it is Unicode 26A7. I don't know if the first person who sent out a prideful email just hit the wrong symbol. It's a very tiny, tiny symbol. I don't know if it was a mistake of omission, a mistake of fat fingers, but it has been corrected and all the right symbols are now being affixed to pride zip car emails. I also found out while investigating pride symbols that the asexuals have a flag. Did you know this? I will now describe the asexual flag. There are four stripes in order. A black stripe representing asexuality, 
a gray stripe representing the gray area between the sexual and the asexual, a white stripe signifying sexuality, and a purple stripe signifying community. Couple things here. This this area between the asexual and the sexual, I guess this is best defined if you need to conceptualize this, mostly asexual, but then Ryan Gosling walks in the room and you got you got to take a stance one way or another. And now as far as the white stripe, just a white field that represents sexuality, that could get in the way of all surrender situations in the future, right? The fort is being bombarded. They raise the white flag. Oh, Oh, they're having an orgy in there. Oh, why are you throwing your sexuality in my face? Uh, sir, I think they mean surrender. No, don't you know what the white flag means? It's just pure wanton sexuality. And don't get me started on the bear flag. There is a bear flag. There is a paw print on the bear flag. Various stripes of brown. It's really quite tasteful. I stand with the bears. On the show today, I spiel about that kind of weird feeling somewhere in between being pro-Hillary and a-Hillary. But first, that kind of weird, very funny guy, Tim Heidecker. You know what he did? He even went so far as to record his own Tim Heidecker promo. Don't know how this happened, but it happened. Starting a business takes guts. Many entrepreneurs risk big for rewards that aren't guaranteed. Here's some of their stories on the new podcast, Points of Courage, brought to you by Hiscox. This series captures conversations about the moments that encourage making the leap to start a business and how to approach the challenges that come with it. Hosted by Jessica Jagley, author, public speaker, and co-founder of Kiva.org, the world's first crowdfunded microlender, Points of Courage is a powerful resource for active and aspiring entrepreneurs, for business owners, for anyone who believes that nothing great is achieved without risk. Get an intimate look into the realities and rewards of running a business in America. Subscribe to Points of Courage wherever you get this podcast and learn more about what Hiscox can do for your business by going to Hiscox.com. That is H-I-S-C-O-X.com. Hiscox. Encourage Courage. Hello, you're listening to Tim Heidecker on the Panoply Network. Tim Heidecker is here. I've been talking to him for about four minutes. The guy seems normal, like approachable, like he has an L.A. Dodgers hat. And I, we, we almost started talking about Yasiel Puig. Could you sense that we were almost talking Yasiel Puig? We were going to get there within the next few seconds. He hasn't done anything meta. He hasn't done anything to comment on the conversation we're having. I don't know. This is, the not, this is not the Tim Heidecker I know. What gives? It takes a lot of energy to be weird, and I don't have it today. Does it, or is it harder to not be weird? No, I, yeah. my, my instinct lately is to just be myself and be as uh, reasonable as I can be. So you have a new album out, and it's called In Glendale. And it's not a weird album. I mean, it's good, straightforward songs, um, mostly in the rock genre. A couple of those songs very much remind me of Warren Zevon, because, you know, he's a funny guy. You're pro- you probably take it 20% more funny yeah. and 10% less dark, actually than Zevon would. Yeah, I think so. I, I like the hit. I mean, I love Warren Zevon and uh, I, I s- somewhat 
uh, emulate his sound when I'm writing music, I think, sometimes. And what about, and there's a couple songs with background vocals, and those are Seagory to me, a little Bob Seagorish. Okay. No, I, I like back, I like harmonies. Yeah, who doesn't, right? Yeah. But that is in contrast to your visual style, let's say. My visual style is not harmonic. No, yeah, it's not harmonious. Or right. it's supposed. <laughs> it's dissonant. Yes, right. It's maybe supposed to make us uh, a little, you know, feel like our shirt's a little itchy. It's supposed to make us feel a little discomforting. My theory about that music is maybe a love of yours, but it's not your first your first uh, medium. And so you can't fuck around with it as much, or you're not as comfortable fucking around with it as much. You want to get it right before you could be an, you want to be a painter, a figure painter before you're an abstract painter. There you with go. With music, I think maybe. I think, I think that's probably true. I'm low, low to the ground. I don't think I'm getting out of bed today. Had one of those nights One in a million One too many drinks I guess you'd say So I'm gonna work from home Call if you need me I don't think I'd be much use anyway So why'd you do the album? Um... Well, I've been making music for a while, and I've, I've put music out in various forms, uh, under various labels and names, and uh, I've, I've veered towards the satirical in the past with the music I make. Uh, but, you know, essentially, I write these songs, and they end up sitting on my computer, and, and when enough of them pile up, I figure out how to put them out in a way that, you know, makes sense to the world. Who do you, um, pl- who do you play them for? Who do I play them for? Yeah. Uh, like when I'm writing them? Yeah. Um, my wife. Yeah. You know, she has to bear through that process. Well, that's, I was, I was thinking that that would be the answer. And does the wife, does the wife thrill to the songs as much or more than she thrills to some of the TV shows? She doesn't really thrill to any of it <laughs> now that you mention it. Um, she's approve, approving or, you know, a, a supportive. She'll say, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. Um, and, uh, but, but that's about it. Well, what about the TV shows? What about all the visual media? Where does she stand on that now that she knows it so well? She loves it all. She's, oh, really? she's very impressed with me. Still? Still blown away by my talents. Unbelievable. <laughs> she's just, she watches it with her mouth wide open. Wow. I can't believe I get to spend my life with you. And you're like, I chose well. Yeah. I chose, it never wears off. She's a fan. When I was a child, there was thought to be nine planets. But there are now 90 planets. You know, the ultimate fate of the universe is so dark and mysterious that it generates butterflies in my stomach, and that goes to tickles in my spine, and that creates goose pimples, and then that penetrates my mind, and then the the whole Big Bang explosion. And so what determines how far you go? Are you or Eric the weirder one? Do you have elements? Do you have kind of zones of weirdness? We all, we each have our dark parts. So what's yours? What really, what really gets you going in terms I'm of, I love probably that. more death obsessed mm-hmm. and more playing with the, with killing and, and, uh, maiming and, you know, playing with, uh, 
in in uh, in uh, just yeah, just that's that dark side. I put your head in a plastic bag and I buried it under the Hollywood sign. I don't know why I do something like that. It seemed like me and you were doing just fine. Now there's a ghost in my bed. There's a ghost in my bed. There's a ghost in my bed, or it's in my head. There's a ghost in my bed. There's a ghost in my bed. There's a ghost in my bed, or it's in my head. You know, it's one thing I miss this week. This this period of my life where I'm putting this record out, I'm all alone. I'm just by myself here. And it's pl- it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you, but it's always uh, it's always easier and more fun when you have a collaborator, a partner uh, to to check yourself with. You know. Now there's the show Decker. You've had many shows, so I've been watching Decker, and I have to tell you, Tim. I don't. This is a little embarrassing, but there were times when. I could actually see the set and like one time the wolf uh-huh. man turned and you could see the back of his uh-huh. mask. Yeah, I just, yeah. I don't know if I saw an early copy of that, <laughs> right, you know, right. before it went through post. Sorry about that. Well, here's the thing with that. Um, Decker is, is like a uh, nesting doll of, of ideas, uh, which, which stems from a show called on cinema that I do with Greg Turkington and on cinema is a show that broke off from that show and it's steeped in in backstory, and you're looking at me pu- puzzled. Decker, are you sure this is the right course of action? You gotta fight fire with fire, Davidson. The time for capitulation and kowtowing down to what Dracula's requests are have passed. We should have bombed them, bombed that castle back to the Stone Age. It's time to make America great again. I am proceeding to the castle. It's almost like the the Marvel universe or something. There's a depth to the the characters and to the stories that go well beyond the surface of the show. Hello? If you read the ratings on late night TV, peop, you know, the Daily Show gets a lot of attention and right. I guess found us. Adult Swim blows it out of the water. I know. I know. You guys are doing f- four times the ratings of The Daily Show. No, I mean, the, I think our audi- I think an audience generally connects with our work because they see that it's personal and they see that it's, uh, it's coming from it, – it's also very critical of mainstream entertainment. I think there's a tendency – I tend to watch – Stuff that might be more mainstream comedy, more middle of the road comedy, and I see the writers' room, or I can hear the writers' room, and I feel the moves, and I feel the these guys that have been doing this for thirty years, you know, with the, with the arrogance and overconfidence that they must have to 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 just play the safe play, you know, yeah. to to go with the safe move that they're like, this is gonna get a laugh. I know it's gonna get a laugh. It's gotten a laugh for the past twenty years. It's gonna get a laugh, and if it doesn't, we'll put one in. I think when mainstream entertainment is at the level that it's at now, which I think is lousy, 90% of it is garbage, then it's comforting to have something that recognizes that and is sort of feeding that back and saying, we get it. Or, you know, if you're alone and you're in, you know, Schenectady and you're you're 16 and you feel completely alienated from the mass pop culture, and then you see us at midnight and we're you know, taking a shit on the whole thing, then uh, you might feel a little more, you know, less alone. 
Hi everybody, my name is Tim Heidecker and welcome to another episode of Tim's Kitchen Tips. Now, uh, this is our second episode and our first episode last week had a ton of negative reaction on the web, a lot of uh, negative comments and downvotes. But you know what? This is, uh, you guys don't win. You might uh, think you are being heard, your voice is being heard, but nobody cares. And uh, I'm having so much fun making this show and I'm also getting a lot of positivity from friends and family who think what I'm doing is awesome. So my message to the haters out there is no one cares, no one's listening. All right, well, let's get into it here. We've got my classic French onion dip. All right, let's go out on a song. You, okay. you choose, you DJ. On my, of my music? We, I mean, I like the Nicolas Cage one. Yeah, sure. Because it's not a joke. You saw, I, you, you really saw Nicolas Cage once, right? No. Oh, what? Well, no, I'm, listen, I'm I mean, <laughs> this is the power of storytelling. Oh, I you can't can believe it. make anything up. Tim Heidecker, thank you so much, man. Thank you. I saw Nicholas Cage staring at me, staring at me. Must have thought I was somebody else, somebody Let's talk about the Top Value Cabernet by Wine Spectator. I'm always talking about that. Two of the three top spots went to Cameron Hughes. All right, someone's got to get him. This Cameron Hughes guy, the guy obviously makes good wine. Oh, no. Oh, no. What he does is he knows good wine. And like so many others, he knows how to get you the good wine. Cameron Hughes has good inns with all the vineyards up there in Napa Valley and Sonoma. He knows when they make good wine that they're using in blends or they're not going to use all the wine. And he says, hey, that wine that normally has your label on it, can I slap my label on it and sell it for pennies on the dollar? And they say, yeah, and everyone benefits, especially now you. So just to flesh out the Cameron Hughes deal a little bit, the average price of Napa Valley Cabernets that score over 90 in Wine Spectator, that's $155 a bottle. Cameron Hughes has three 90-plus Cabernets on the list, averaging about $30 a bottle. These are excellent, affordable, affordable wines. You're just not paying for the brand name, but you're getting the best wines you could get. Now, Cameron Hughes doesn't typically offer discounts because the whole thing's a discount, but they're going to do it now. What they're going to offer you is this. Buy any five bottles of wine, get one bottle of Pinot Noir for free, and you also receive free shipping. Where else are you going to get a free, amazing Pinot Noir, which is $25 of value, and free shipping on this wine that's already a great value? Nowhere but chwine.com. This is if you use the code GIST at checkout. So I would like to give you this bottle of wine from Cameron Hughes. And the only way to get your free bottle and free shipping is to go to chwine.com. chwine.com. Shop for your wine. Any five bottles you want. Enter the code GIST at checkout. So that's where you do it. At checkout, enter code GIST. And receive free Pinot Noir and free shipping. Supplies are limited. Cameron's wines sell out fast. So go to chwine.com and get your free Pinot Noir today. And now the spiel, she got served. Hillary Clinton's email server. It's one of those phrases that's destined to go down as a slur or an epithet to future generations. Oh, you old battle axe. Oh, yeah, your mother wears army boots. Oh, yeah? Well, your sister's canary. Oh, my sister's canary? Well, Hillary Clinton's email server. The reaction to the Clinton email server revelation ranged from meh to jail her. But in me, it inspired something else. It started off as resentment. 
but I turned it into something practical. Let me explain. So yesterday I extolled the virtues of Hillary, her excellent speech criticizing Donald Trump as dangerous and wrong. Let's now hear a little bit of that speech, if only to anchor ourselves in the fundamental truth that, sorry, Senator Bernie Sanders, you just have fewer votes than Hillary Clinton. You're not going to be the nominee. So here's the fundamental truth that Hillary Clinton is the only sane choice in the next election. Let's remember why. Here's Hillary Clinton. Now imagine Donald Trump sitting in the situation room, (laughs) making life or death decisions on behalf of the United States. Imagine him deciding whether to send your spouses or children into battle. Imagine if he had not just his Twitter account at his disposal when he's angry, but America's entire arsenal. Do we want him making those calls? Someone thin-skinned and quick to anger who lashes out at the smallest criticism. Do we want his finger anywhere near the button? But at least were Donald Trump's fingers small as they might be, to be near that button, the button in question would be property of the United States, affixed to a government-owned firing mechanism that triggered a certified United States military-type missile. There were no private missiles or buttons or triggers involved. Now, some Hillary Clinton defenders have looked at her private email server, and they've tried to spin away the Inspector General's report. Paul Krugman in The Times argued, quote, Hillary's fibs or lack of candor are all about bad judgments she made on issues that will not impact the future of either my family or my country. He goes on to assert that, quote, but while Hillary's struggles with the whole truth on certain issues have garnered huge attention driving up her negatives, Trump and Bernie Sanders have been getting away with some full Burger King double whoppers that will come crashing down on the whole country if either gets the chance to do what he says. Trump's negatives aren't high. Trump has been getting away with whoppers. That statement itself is a lie. And while it's true that Bernie has been, I don't know, getting away with maybe a little charged, so we could say that while it's true that Bernie's plans have not been vetted to a fairly well, and they allow his personal ratings to be pretty high on the negative to positive associations, here's how it hurts him. He's paying the price in something besides negatives. He's paying the price in votes. So he has comparatively low negatives to go with a comparatively low vote total. Now, in New York Magazine, Ed Kilgore covered the coverage of the Clinton emails by asserting something quite like what Krugman was saying. Here we go. Concerns about Donald Trump rarely, if ever, descend to the level of digging around in hopes of discovering patterns of reckless behavior or willful disregard for the rules. This is just demonstrably untrue. I am not happy that Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, but that doesn't mean that you can say that he's not been looked into, especially in an article that's supposed to give us some insight about how to contextualize dishonesty. A more entertaining, and I think it was pretty true as far as it went, a more entertaining take on the email server was offered by Michelle Wolf on The Daily Show. What is this controversy even about? (laughs) Emails, a server, well, I'm walking around here pretending like we know what a server is. Uh, Yeah, I could definitely point it out in this room. That's true. Ask the average person 
who is most distressed about Hillary Clinton's email, ask that person, oh, let me ask you, where's your email server, huh? I mean, physically, where does your email server live? They won't know. Then Michelle Wolf goes on to put her finger on the part of the development that I most identify with. If we get too exercised about Hillary's email, what in a practical sense are we advocating? And by what I mean who, and by who I mean Trump. In a couple of years, we're going to be eating grilled squirrel from a hole in the ground with our children asking, but why do we have to live like this, mommy? And we'll have to respond, we didn't vote for the smart lady because of some email she sent from a different server. (laughs) And then the child will say, well, what's a server? And we'll have to say, I don't know, Kevin, I never f***ing knew. Now shut up and eat your squirrel before King Trump comes back, Trevor. And this is what's so frustrating to me, that as voters, as citizens, as people in the world, we don't want to be necessarily absolutists. We don't want to be unrealistic idealists, but we want to have some ideals. We want to believe in some standards of behavior. And Hillary Clinton did violate these standards. Hers were misdeeds. But we're so tempted to say it wasn't anything because anything that hurts Hillary helps him. We can't even have an honest moment where we contemplate the crime or the indiscretion or the technological workaround or whatever we want to call it. We don't even give ourselves time to figure out what to call it. No time for proper contemplation. Because we do know that if anything hurts Hillary, even a fair and warranted critique, that helps him and therefore it might imperil us all. I am resentful, or I was, but now I'm just a little jealous. Here's what I used to want. I used to want some accountability. I used to want some version of comeuppance, a lesson, so Hillary Clinton would know, and people like her would know you can't do this. I want to be able to agree societally that a wrong is a wrong. But here's what I want now. I want a Trump. I want my own Trump. I want a rival who rises whenever I fall, even by the slightest. I want a point of comparison who is so reprehensible that it effectively shields me from attack. I want the yuckiest imaginable yin to my yang. I want a doppelganger who represents a degradation of all that is civilized and pure. I want my own Trump. All right, let's say I'm 15 minutes late for a trip to Lowe's where I'm supposed to pick out blinds. I blew the whole deal. I'm sorry, but before you get too mad at me, honey, remember who takes over his boyfriend if you get rid of me, Donald Trump. And you know, kids, you think I'm strict about bedtime, But if Donald Trump was in charge, he wouldn't allow you to have pets and he'd name you Baron. And listen, listeners, I'm sorry that my spiel might seem a couple days old and a bit overwrought. But as you know, the only other podcast in America is Donald Trump rants about Mexicans. Well, there's also the Donald Trump rants about Mexicans slate spoiler special. But in that, June and Willa just favorably review every time Trump rants about Mexicans because he'd fire them otherwise. What? I'm sorry, officer. Yes, you're right. I was going 69 and a 55. But as you know, the only other person on the road is Donald Trump, and he'd investigate your heritage and have you fired. Yes, Emery, no, I'm not going to be giving this year to my alma mater. Of course, if I were Donald Trump, I'd be changing the school to my name and embarrassing us all. If I had a Trump, I would be unstoppable. If I had a Trump out there, I'd be emboldened. If I had a looming Trump, everyone would love me. Well, actually, most people would hate me more than they love me, but they'd hate me less than they hate Trump. And I'd ride that right to the White House, where once I was there without a Trump, I would possibly flounder. I just might falter until I got my own Mitch McConnell. And that's it for today's show. If the producer of The Gist were Trump instead of Mary Wilson, the Mexicans would pay for it. 
If the executive producer of Slate Podcast were Trump instead of Steve Lichtai, mom and dad wouldn't just be fighting, they'd be divorcing. And mom would soon be much younger and more Eastern European than dad. If the chief content officer of the Panoply Network were Trump instead of Andy Bowers, he'd be the chief content officer of the Trump Network. No, he'd be the chief Trump of... No, he'd be the Trump Trump of the Trump Trump Trump. The gist. If the gist were Trump, we'd rename ourselves The Gist, believe me. Yum peru, de peru, du peru, and thanks for listening.